Hello! Hello! Welcome to, well it's been what, four weeks since the last one? So, welcome. It has been. Yep, welcome, I, I, I don't even know what episode this is anymore. Welcome to episode something. Twelve, I believe. Is it twelve? We'll go with twelve. So, welcome to episode twelve with me, Billy. I am Sean. Yes, you are. And we, today and we are discussing stuff. And we have been busy. So, you've been doing some stuff. Uh, I too have been doing stuff. Um, and therefore that has sort of pushed us to one side and then we were like, hey, it's been four weeks. I've been sitting here thinking, it's like, it's only been two weeks, I'm sure it'll be fine. Until you said the other day, it's been four weeks. And I was like, no, it hasn't. It can't be. But it has. Yeah, it's, it's quite depressing. Um, yeah. How quick it's gone. Because the reason I've been away, because I, I actually mentioned in the last episode that uh, when we finished the last recording, I said I may be a bit busy because I'm going to do a, a three-week course. Turns out that three-week course, as I've been telling you over the last week, has been very intensive, and I had no free time for free time for like three weeks, apart from a couple of days of the weekend. And even then, uh, I just wanted to relax. I didn't really. Have, I really. I think for three weeks, I really didn't play anything. <laughs> so it's like I would have done nothing to discuss. So now that that three weeks is over, a couple of games have come out, and I suppose. Shall we discuss Dying Light 2? Yeah. Um, 100%. 100%. I think that's where we should probably start, is just go straight into Dying Light 2. Because you've finished it, I'm, what, 90% of the way through it now? Um, oh yeah, you're like, three. judging by your achievements, you've a character, this Doctor Woman, and that's like three missions from the very end. So you're nearly done. So you can, you've got a, a good amount of time to, to actually... Discuss it, but we've actually played a good chunk of it before you even got to that point because we played it. I think we could do a really good like co-op review, yeah, yeah. alongside no, single-player so. review. Think so. We've actually played quite a lot of in co-op. I think we played about it's about ten to twelve hours of co-op. Ten to twelve, I think twelve is hours. Yeah, because I think there's like ten hours in my save when I exclusively played it co-op with yourself and Roman, and that ten hours is when we got to the city. The sort of the main second area. Then I played a bit with you, like two or three hours with you. So it's been about yeah, twelve to thirteen hours of co-op alongside my time on single player. I think when I looked at my time played, it was it was like twenty four hours by the time I finished it, um, or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I've got absolutely I no think idea. What, I haven't been paying attention. I've just been bashing it so hard the past few days that I haven't even really been yeah, paying attention I, to time. Yeah, I blasted my way through it. Last Sunday, this time last week actually, I sat down and I was like, okay, this is the first time in a while that I've had nothing to worry about the next day with the course being busy, that kind of stuff. Got a full day. I started at like 1pm then spent from like 1pm to about 6pm, had some food, then 6pm to about 10 or 11pm. I just blasted right through the whole game. Uh, Or, not the whole game, but the story, at least, and uh, so how, how should start? Should uh, should we do the court review or? How no, should we, let's how should start. We do this? I'm, I'm, let's start with um, just kind of like single player, just the overall experience of playing the game, and then 
we'll dive into the co-op later on. Um, so I, I think that should be the way we, we do this. Right. Okay, we'll do that but, Yeah. So we're just going to talk, hey, we did or did not enjoy the game, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then we'll be like, right, co-op. Well, since I finished, I'll give I'll summarize my thoughts, then go into details to why I have these thoughts. But overall, I came away feeling just a little bit disappointed. Um, even though I enjoyed my time with it, uh, and the reason for that disappointment is because of the issues I had. This is just not a polished game by any means. I think I said I put up on Twitter as well that. Within that one play session I talked about from that Sunday, that 1pm to 11pm, that 10 hours or 8-ish hours I spent, I reset that game 15 times. I don't know what it was, There's, I was just going having, it's nothing like entirely game breaking where it would break my save, it was stuff like, you know, a door, uh, a door would open to progress, you know, into a cutscene or something like that, or when I went into a cutscene I'd be stuck in the cutscene and it would play out. And then the screen would go black. And I couldn't get away out of the cutscene. Uh, the audio would cut out when I use a certain weapon. Because you get these two-handed weapons and you can do like, these heavy attacks. I executed the heavy attack against multiple zombies. The sound freaked out and then the sound cut off. So I had to close it down for that. Sometimes it could, A couple of times it just randomly crashed. Um, the most common one was the sound and the progression bugs getting in the way. Uh, and I feel like we came across that more in co-op than in single player. Um, I think I just had really bad luck with those issues in single player. Um, but it didn't stop me from playing it because well, I wanted to see this all the way through to the end. So I stuck to my guns. I thought, right, let's just get through this and see where this is going. Um, and overall, I don't think this game is as strong as Dying Light 1, even though there's improvements from Dying Light 1. There's things I still love about it. I absolutely love just the traversal. The parkouring is just so satisfying and so much fun. And it's like, I could, there's times where I just ran around just like jumping on things and try to challenge myself. I see how far I could jump from building to building or how high I could get in certain buildings and stuff like that. It's honestly the best, one of the best traversals in a first person game in my opinion. I absolutely just adore running around that world. But it's easier in this because the game is split into two parts, right? You get your first area because you start off like it, the game starts off like linear, doesn't it? Like you start off mm-hmm. going through this linear part of the game. You go meet this guy called Spike. You go into this house, look for some stuff, and you move your way into the city. But you're only in this sort of this hub area. You're not in the main area of the city. You're in the smaller part of the city. I can't remember the part out the name of. But there is easier, that felt like more like Dying Light 1, where a lot of the buildings were easily accessible. There wasn't massive skyscrapers, it was mostly lower level buildings. You can jump from lampposts onto roof and clamper on rooftops and jump between rooftops. The traversal was a lot of fun there, but where I struggled with the traversal was in the second area, when all the buildings are so high. And they try and get around that by... You know, using these air vents, you can use your paraglider to like float between them and stuff like that. Um, or using the to get a grapple hook later on, let allows you to swing up. Um, but overall, I, f- I found I had more fun traversing in the first area than the second area. Uh, but it's my favorite part of that game is the traversal over everything else. 
Um, I suppose, well, I think we should get into the... I'm going off on a tangent about how much I like just running around. Just running around. (laughs) That's a lot of fun, though. (laughs) It's like the best part of that game, in my opinion. Um, But I think we should discuss the fat. Trimming the The fat. fat. Uh, That game starts off... You spend way too much time in that first area. Like if a, if we didn't, oh, how long would you? How long would you say if you just mainlined the missions? Would it take you to get that first area? Oh, you're talking the far, at least the first eight to ten hours. Yeah, of your playthrough like, is in that first area. Do like do I you know what it was? That... To, like I've like when I've been sitting playing through it, what I've can how I've felt about the whole sort of the first area is that remember when you were in like high school or college or something, and you write an essay, and you get told you only have to write about a thousand words, but you end up writing, like, two thousand. And you're like, right, I need to cut back mm. half of it from somewhere. And you do. But you're cutting away into the body of it, not necessarily the start, where it's the start that's your intro- your introduction is the problem. It's too big. Um, but you're not seeing it, so you just cut away, cut away from sort of the main body that what what you consider the bit, you know, the meat of the game. And they've just gone like, well, we've added in this whole other area, this introduction area, and they keep players in there a bit too long. Um, that's th- Way that, too that, long. That, that, that to me is where Dying Light 2 falls down a bit. Um, it's like, see, see, for me, like I actually kind of disagree with you. I prefer the second part of the game. Um, I actually think being in downtown is where the game is that's where the game really takes off in story and oh with everything, definitely everything else story. In the game. but traversal um, i struggled a bit to get around sometimes it wasn't free flowing you know what i mean it's not like you can you're like jumping from the top to the top because i felt like when we yeah. were playing that when you were still in the first year in your game which we'll get into co-op progression in a minute but just like running around that area and just jumping on things we talked about how like developers designed the area to like make the free floor traversal through all these rooftops and through the streets so natural and free-flowing. Whereas I never really... I really struggled with that in the second area because it is so focused on higher rooftops. They do try and, like, add things in to make it easier, like those pull ropes you can fly up on and stuff like that to get up to higher higher areas. But it's not as free-flowing as I'd like it to be. Especially since the paraglider isn't even that great. See, that's... If the paraglider was a bit better, yeah, I would have enjoyed it more. That's kind of where... I'm going to say one word. Stamina. Um, <laughs> it's yes. awful. Uh, see, things like the paraglider would be excellent. It would be so, so, so good if it wasn't tied to your stamina. Which, obviously, you can improve over time by you find, by you find these... Uh, what, what what are they called again? Inhibitors throughout the world. You can choose either yes. between increasing your health or your stamina. Um, and that helps it a bit. But ultimately, the fact that your paraglider is tied so heavily to a stamina and it drains it so quickly really ruins the experience of it. Because you jump off, you know, there's the mission where you climb the biggest building in the game. And you're like, wow, this is really, really cool. Um, I know, I'm going to paraglide. And you do it. And then you just inevitably fall like you know, as soon yeah. as you jump off the building, you're just you're. That's it. Like you, you can't see how far you go, 
And yeah, to be fair, yeah, there are upgrades to the paraglider, but it's uh, it's just the fact that it's tied so so heavily to your stamina, and it does replay when you go over a fan, but they're not frequent enough to make you go. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, yeah. This- if they had if they had more frequent fans, getting around those rooftops in the in the main sort of city skyline would be great. But there's so few of them sometimes. Yeah, they're very that few makes it, you're, When you're in that mode of like going from building to building, then suddenly there's just no air vents anywhere. You're like, oh, I'll yeah. try and land here. Then sometimes I struggle trying to get over to their buildings. I thought, well, how'd I get over there? How'd so, I get here? Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. But again, we're going off on the traversal again because it is so good. But anyway, let's just try to establish a bit of a structure because there's a lot actually to discuss here. Um, Because we're going off on like little tangents. So, trimming the fat. Let's we started talking about that, so let's get back to that. Um There's too much story at the start of the game. Because when you first get into the main hub, your main goal is to get to the central loop, and that central loop is sort of the main big meaty area of the game. Um because you you have your map and you can see in the top left there's like the starting area where you start and there's like four or five sections of that map, but when you go down to the lower right that's where the massive city is, where the chunk of the content takes place, as you said. As well, so you thought that the chunk of the content takes place. Turns out it was like half and half. Half the game is start in the little hub, and the other half is in the main city. Um, and I think the main issue is just the length of the story cutscenes as well, and the, the number lengthy. of missions. Like, a lot of these cutscenes, the, the dialogue between different characters goes on for a long time. And they're not really saying much. Um, there's just one specific character, this old man. Uh, Alberto, is it? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> this sort of stuttering old man who... Need. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. He's, yeah, he's got, he's got... He's old. He's got issues, which is fine. But when you're sitting there wanting to just get to the mission, it's like, it's almost it's infuriating how long it takes for him just to get through a sentence. So every time you... When I played my single-player game, uh, when you guys were... Because Roman and yourself sort of took a break for a little bit and I played through it a couple of missions ahead before you jump back into my game. Uh, when he talked, I just skipped all his dialogue. I was not interested in hearing anything he had to say. And it got to the point where we were playing last night. Or then, not last night, a couple of nights ago. Um... When you were in that section, you got to the point where you just started skipping by it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was in the subtitles. I saw what he was going to say. Yeah, right, okay. yeah exactly. I'm keeping up. You, you don't need to hang about and wait 10 minutes for him to finish a sentence. But, uh, yeah, so they just need to trim down. I, I felt like they should have trimmed down the story significantly there because the whole. They keep talking about this central loop, this central loop. We've got to get to the central loop. And then they just, they're just constant barriers along the way. And they do try and introduce mechanics of the game in that first part, a bit like the water towers and the windmills. Um, and like how they, they, because they made a big pre-release, they made a big deal about how these water towers would change the course of the game. It doesn't really affect it or change the course of the world and like the world would change around these water towers. Remember that? They made this yeah, big yeah. deal about these factions like, Oh, the, the the world will change when you pick a water. The only thing it changes is if you go with the survivors or the the, the quote unquote good people, I suppose. Um, 
versus the peacekeepers, which are like the, the cops of the the world. It's just like different things appear in the environment for traversal to make traversal a bit easier. And peacekeepers is like uh, you can set traps on cars and stuff like that, and it just unlocks different features to make getting around the site easier or dealing with zombies easier. It never it doesn't really change the story all that much. It can, the story completely ignores all that stuff. Like you can blast the story without unlocking any other water towers, which is what exactly what I did. Like I didn't bother going through all the other water towers and the rest in the the main city. So I thought, well, it's not doing anything, really. When I came across a windmill, I unlocked the windmill and that unlocked some stuff. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was a a weird thing to make a big deal of when, the, in the end, it didn't really change all that much. The only thing mm-hmm. it changes is that you have these little yeah. hub areas that pop up and they either belong to the survivors or the peacekeepers. Was, and there might be... Pretty much like, it's just another checkpoint. <laughs> yeah, it's just another... Yeah, it's just another... Another place to respawn when you accidentally mess up trying to climb a building, which I do on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, if they just... Because the first game, you pretty much just got right into the city. And I think I preferred the first game's environment, Haran. Because it was really colourful, you were in the sort of like, I guess that was their version of Brazil or something, or Rio, yeah, Brazil, the inspiration of that, or maybe somewhere in the like a European, a European area, sort of a mix of both. I don't know, but um, yeah, because when you're in the in the first game, you're in that city just as the outbreak is happening, uh, so you're seeing the city fall apart in real time, which is really cool. But it's just way more colourful. I thought that, I thought this game was like really brown. And dark compared to the first game. Mm-hmm. I think I prefer the first game aesthetically a lot more um, than this one. Plus, when you start the game, you're just in the the city in that game. You're not playing ten hours in this little mini hub area before you even get into the the rest of the game. But uh, I suppose uh, I guess the next part we're talking about. Well, another form of progression that's drawn out completely. And unnecessarily. And that is your character progression. Character progression. Yeah. It's... So you get your story progression, which is chunky. Then you've got this, which is chunkier. Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Max level 25, I'm barely past 5. Yeah, you, saw, you see 25, I think that seems attainable. Yeah. Then you spend 5 hours playing, you've only leveled up twice on yeah, your parkour it's... skill. It's too slow. Um, yeah, they're really I, drawn out. I get. I don't know if like, like see the second part of that game. I don't know if it's because you do more. I see. I'm. I don't know if it's maybe because the first part of the game is just so heavy on talking, and like interacting with people that you level up so slowly. But I found that leveling up in the second part of the game is not quick, but quicker. Um, yes, it is quicker. Like, I've got pretty far. I, I think I'm like level fifteen on my combat and. Parker and that was just through playing the story. Yeah. So it, it's, it does level up much, much quicker and you do feel like you're making some decent progress, which is kind of why I think it almost feels like they've, they did trim the game. They just trimmed the wrong part. Um, but we've kind of already discussed all that anyway. Um, but Well, yeah, the stamina is the, stamina's the, thing, the main thing. is Stamina is the main thing. That's horrendous. The Base uh, level health and the base level stamina is just too low. Yeah. 
I think so like, once you're like own. five le- like <laughs> five levels because the way you up on on uh, the we talk about how the progression works. So the progression's like you've got your combat progression, combat skills, and you've got your parkour skills. And the way you level those up is by either doing those actions or completing missions or side quests, which reward you so many XP for those respective uh, skills progressions. Getting types special of infected really is quite good at doing it. You get like two thousand. Um, yeah, as an XP, but I kind of feel it's like they probably... could chop a bit of that XP off. Of that, yeah, by all means, you know, the higher you go, the more you need. Like that, that's a given. But it's just at the start. I think you get level get one, one to two is like three thousand XP. Yeah, it's which is like really, really ridiculous. Slow. Which takes yeah, you know, the slow. start of the game really uh, quite a long time. Yeah, and the base level skills that you have just aren't that great. It took, I think. Because when you do hit that XP, uh, you know, reach the 3000 XP, then it goes to like 3250 or something like that. You get a point for that respective skill, and then you can put it into, uh, you know, whichever skill you happen to level up, the you're the combat or the parkour. And that, uh, when you put those points in, it unlocks different abilities. So you can like clamber walls faster or like slide under obstacles quicker or uh, stumble over obstacles quicker or jump further, that kind of stuff. For combat, you can do the best move ever in the game, which is drop kick, which is just oh, OP. Is dying very drop OP. kick edition. It's the, it's the best it's the best move in that entire game. I just drop kicked my way through that at the end of that see, game. Mostly. See if you put on nothing but medic gear, it's just the most powerful thing in the world. It's so, so good. <laughs> I think that's what I actually did. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of stuff it, I had was medic gear. Because a lot of stuff is then, all the medigear is based around parkour combat. Um, and it's just so good. It's like one shots everything. You're like, right, okay, this is how I'm playing the game from now on. I don't need all these weapons with weapon mods on it. Yeah, it's just like a... That's, I suppose that's another thing because that is involved in the progression as well. Because you have your... That's what I We'll go back to finish the progression first. So you get your... Uh, all of those skills... And that allows you to level up and get better as a character. But I feel like those base level skills that you get in the beginning just are not good enough and are way too low. Uh, especially the stamina and the health. And the way you level the stamina and health is, you mentioned earlier, about the inhibitors. So you find these like GRE boxes around. And inside these GRE boxes, you have these things called inhibitors. And when you find three inhibitors, you get a point to level up either your health or your stamina. And upgrading your health, your stamina also increases the time that you can stay alive in the dark because you have an issue with being infected. Hence the title Stay Human uh, in the game title, Dying Light 2 Stay Human. So yeah. when you're in the dark, you have like five minutes initially or something like that, six minutes before you turn, basically, if you don't get to UV in time or take like UV shrooms or something like that or these weird inhalers. So when you level up your health and your stamina, you get additional time to that timer. And I feel like, I didn't feel like, for in terms of stamina, because we're talking about the stamina, I didn't feel comfortable with the stamina until I got to about level 5. Mm-hmm. Getting to level 5 is a bit of an effort, because you really have to go out your way to find these boxes. Um, but the initial starting stamina, you can't, you can't even, like, in some buildings, you can't even climb up beside them in time, because the stamina goes down so fast. Like it really hindered on my enjoyment in the first few years of that game. It wasn't until 
we played it the second time in, second time in co-op that I got enough XP and found enough inhibitors to actually level up those skills enough to feel like, okay, I feel this is like a good base level to start off at at the start of the game. And from there, it obviously got better. But they really should, they really should have... I, feel, I felt like this... I gave you a sort of a theory uh, yesterday of my theory as to why this is the case. And I feel like... I feel, I'll give... Because I never really got into detail about why I think this. But one of the big things they touted before this game came out was that it had 500 hours of content. 500 hours. Isn't that amazing? 500 hours. So I think the reason why they touted that is because the way they've probably looked at the player data for the first game and noticed how long people played it for because they kept updating it uh, over that. Because they supported the first game immensely. A lot. Like, like it's really impressive how that game is still... You still see it pop up sometimes with new content. I still wish they released like a Series X or PS5 patch or something. Mm-hmm. But they haven't. Um, but they've supported it immensely. It's really impressive. And I think they looked at their player data and saw the amount of people coming back and the amount of hours that people put in and thought, how about having all the creating a game around sort of well, how should I word this? Basically they wanted to create a game from the, the, the base game could deliver deliver the same amount of content that they delivered over time into the first game, the amount of playtime they could add in. To that game and really stretch it out to artificially stretch out the playtime to keep people more engaged in playing that game for longer and treat it more like a live service game even though because the term live service are usually entails like online components like uh destiny 2 that kind of stuff um they have a large community of online people it's like all else almost mmos guys i guess you could say um but for me my theory is is the, the reason they bloated the progression and all the content is to basically keep people playing and treat it like a live service game and just constantly drip feed out content to keep people playing on top of the content that's in the main game itself. Basically just artificially blowing it to keep people playing and get that keep that playtime up. Uh, which hindered on people like us who don't play the same game for eight years, you know, like it's your Fortnite people, uh, that kind of stuff. Well, I suppose you you have with Final Fantasy fourteen, but that's like a completely different thing. That's understandable. Uh, it's like an MMO, but that's it's like it's a single player, but it has co op as well. But predominantly single player experience. It's heavy on story and side quests. I feel like they just went too far with the blow, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It hindered the it hindered my enjoyment. Um. I suppose while we're on the topic of progress, let's discuss how they completely messed up co-op. Yes, they ruined it. Co-op was a highlight yeah. in the first game. We played through that entire game co-op. I think you served as like the host and I joined yeah. in. So you had like the main save. But it didn't matter because your progress carried over together. Even when you went your separate ways. Which so is my great. single player character... Yeah, it was awesome. Like you played, well, I joined your game. We were in the same mission. We were three missions later. We thought, okay, we'll split ways. I'll play again tomorrow. But I'll do a couple side quests in my game. Leave your game, pop back into my game. We're exactly at the same spot. Same story progression, same side quest progression. 
awesome. It just seamlessly works. And this, they've just completely destroyed it. Like, there's no... There's just no story progression or side quest progression in co-op at all because it's, they're so focused on the element of choice and how things can change between uh, and the world, which, which depending on which choices you make in the story. And that also hindered the co-op experience because I think you played through this first part of that game twice. Yes, yes I have. I think so that's probably feels, why I'm so feels... sick of the first part of the game. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it so much. Like, oh... Every time I go back to the bizarre PDSD, yeah, it got really tiring. Um, because when I when I saw that it didn't save progress, I thought, oh god, I I really don't want to play through this game twice. So that's why I thought I'm just going to power ahead and play the rest of it on my own, and then when I'm done, I'll hop back in and help you or Roman, whatever. I felt like that was the best approach. But yeah, they completely messed up the progression. And the story and the, the side quest, there's no way to and co op, there's no way to share that. You'll go your separate ways and then be at the same point. You have to just replay everything. But I'm not entirely sure about achievements because I don't know if we got to a point. I think when when we got to the main city, did you get an achievement for getting no, to the main city when we yeah, played yeah. it on my game? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so at least, at least you get achievements. Yes, so, so yes, right. That's the only thing that continues. Go ahead, Bob. So, because when I went back to mine, even though I was miles back, I still had the hang glider, but we'd unlocked that in your game via co-op. Which made mm-hmm. things a wee bit easier. <laughs> Be like, alright, I can actually get through this a bit quicker, because my character's probably at a higher level than where it should be for this part of the game. So that was good. Um, at least the character progression carries over, so it's all, at least it's, you know, not for nothing at the end of the day. Um, you still get your loot, that kind of thing. It's just story progression that doesn't carry over, but everything else does. Um, and you still get your achievements or your trophies via co-op. Yeah, so that is that's good. At least, you get, at least you get that out of it. So I suppose kind of, you could potentially like have one person exclusively be the host, and whenever you play together, only play when the other person's playing. But again, that's, that's, that's difficult as adults. Like Maybe when we were back in college, we could do that. Uh, where we exclusively keep it as your save, and then I'll just pop in whenever mm-hmm. you're ready to play it, and we'll both play at the same time. But we can't do that these days. Because um, people have being, got their own things going on. Being mm-hmm. old sucks. Yeah. Um, just get too busy, so it's impossible to always play at the same time. So... They they messed that up. That was the big highlight of the game. Also, I think the last mission you couldn't do in co-op. It was single player only, which is a weird thing. I never felt like it even really mattered all that much in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, there's just yeah. It's, I'm not sure. I, I think I would give this like a solid. Now that I finished it and we've I played a bit more of it, it's like a solid seven. It's a solid seven from me as well. That's why I would yeah. give it. Like Maybe it has issues. I, I really like it. Um, I think the game's great, but as it it's riddled with things, it, it, it's something's missing as well. It's, there's something not there, and it's like, yeah, that's that's the thing. What I was bring up is like, there's, uh, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way when I was playing. I was like, there's something about this that doesn't hit in the same way as the first game did, and I can't. I don't know what it is. See, I don't know missing. if it's maybe just it's just dying light. 
So it's like, all right, I can't, you know, when the Dying Light first came out, you kind of buy, like, this is a new IP, try it, get absolutely blown away, you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then Dying Light 2 comes out, and you're like, it's, yeah, it's, you know, I, I've seen this before. Uh, this is, you know, there's nothing really new here. Like you said, it's a lot of stuff from Dying Light 1 that's now polished. It's amazing. You know, that traversing around the world. Mm-mm-mm, I could eat it for dinner. It's just... It's, don't know. It was, it was just, you, you play it and you're like, eh, there's, don't know, there's something missing. It's just not the same. You I don't know if it's one of the too is, similar. One of the things the... This is the one thing that actually disappointed me was the nighttime. Because mm. I remember in the first game when it was nighttime, it was absolutely terrifying and it was really intense. And this, they've gamified it to the point where you have to, you have to level up the chase <laughs> to get it to the point where it's actually kind of intimidating. But even then, it's not that scary. Because I remember when I still remember when we were first playing through it. I still remember that time we first got into a nighttime chase and we were just running and just screaming over party chat going, oh my god. There's things flying out of windows. They're all like 30 zombies behind us clambering after us, jumping over cars and stuff like that. But in this I never really felt that scared. Yeah. Or felt any kind of, any form of anxiety. Because as soon as, I don't know what it was, but as soon as I saw the um the meter come up saying level up the chase, my heart sank a little bit, because I thought, oh, like they've gamified this a bit too much. The nighttime was the, the, the fear in the first game. When you were out at nighttime, when you got chased, it was basically the equivalent of the level 4 chase in this. Whereas in this one, you have to, like, it felt like they designed it a way for you, you want to get chased, and you want to be go around and try and survive as long as you can. Whereas in the first one, it felt like a uh, you never really went out your way to get chased. No. In the first game, it was mostly if, if you messed up, if you fell down off a, a, a building like you always did, and alerted the horde and alerted the car alarm or something like that, then it would be terrifying because, like, oh god, like we need to both get out here and run away. We didn't intend for this to happen, but for this, they tried to design it to actually make you, hey, if you try and get chased for as long as you can, the more XP you get, the more you can progress, the higher you get that level up for that that chase. No, you I just didn't like that. I think that took away from the, the the tension and the fun of actually being chased when you're trying to do your own thing. So that kind it's, of ruined it. They kind of ruined that. It is horrifying when you get to seven, though. Mm-hmm. Well, not seven. I don't know where seven came from. When you get to level four, um, yeah, that's four. horrifying. That when you start getting the what are they call it again the thingy zombies. Um, what are they called again? Which ones? Volatile. Volatile. That's it. Um, is that because that's when you start seeing the volatiles come out, start jumping at you? That's when that's when it becomes terrifying. But you need to build up to that point. Whereas before, in Dying Light One, a chase would just have volatiles straight off the bat, especially at night. Yeah, that's what made it way more intense. Because and this is like you're always near a UV light. There's you're always near. You're always really close to something. You never. You've never. I don't think you can ever really naturally get to level 4 unless you're going out of your way to be chased. Mm-hmm. There's never a point where I was on my way to UV light 300 meters away and I would go from level 1 to 4 within that 300 meters. Like You're always near a safe house, you're always near a UV light. You really, if you want to get to that point where you feel 
scared like in the first game you have to go out your way and do it and by that point then what's the point in being chased you don't really gain anything from it no it kind of like dampened the fear of the chase in my opinion which is what made that game so unique and so terrifying uh, at night time and now they've just sort of dampened it in my opinion yeah I think that was one of the things that made me go something's missing and I think that was one of the things that was missing was the fear at night so when it came to night time in that game I just like I never felt anything yeah, it was just another just thing. Blasting. It was just a wee bit busier. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, those GRE buildings, though, where you need to go and where it's got the four uh, inhibitors inside it, they're impossible. Like even at night time, they're difficult. Yeah, they're um, really tough. You need because we we tried one, and it was we were like well level two at the time, really low level. And we're like, yeah, this is impossible. We need to level up. Even once you've leveled up, because I went in at night time, I was like, right, I should be able to do this now. No. Um, gen- it was like I think I got to, I've got as far as one, but there's just so many zombies in there. You have to unlock it. There was a door that you had to unlock, and I was like, I can't, I can't get anywhere near that door. Um, there's just too many of them to the point where I was just overwhelmed. Um, it's genuinely difficult. Um, so those gear, I think that must be more of like a a co-op based task. So you need to yes. go get your inhibitors. Like, try to go in there single player. It's just no chance. And I'm glad the story, well, so far anyway, the story hasn't told you, hey, you need to go in here. Because um, otherwise you'll just be banging your head off a wall. <laughs> like, I can't get by this. They're, they're quite unsettling and quite scary to work your way through. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's like, even at, it's like, oh, well, during the day, you get absolutely destroyed. As soon as you enter, it's like, you know, there's a volatile just there like, hey, hey guys. Like, okay, that's this isn't the time to be here. Um, whereas at least nighttime, there's no volatiles; it's just tons of zombies, and you're like, oh, yeah, this isn't this isn't manageable at all. No, not at all. I'm playing through that game in co-op as a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed that time we played with yourself and Roman. It was like a good laugh. Um, but co-op makes any game better, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed myself in the co-op sessions. And when I got to the main city and started going through the story there, I enjoyed and it's not the best story, like I still felt like it went on too long uh, for some of the cutscenes of what was happening. But as the the characters were more interesting and the stuff that was happening was more interesting. And there's just one highlight in that game for me, which was the uh I can't remember the name of the building. There's this one mission where you have to scale up a skyscraper. The tallest building in the game. Oh, broadcast! Thought, yes, like here we go. Yeah, the broad. Yeah, that's it. There's just that's it. You have to. There's this mission where you have to reactivate a broadcast tower to send out the broadcast, and you can choose either to broadcast the signal for the peacekeepers or the survivors. And your mission is to get from the bottom to the top, and that was just such a good mission. I came away from that mission going like, "Yes, this is like exactly what I wanted." Dying like to and from this environment, it was just such a good mission. Also, we won't go into details about it here, but. Just parkouring your way up that building and solving that puzzle to get to the top was just a lot of fun. I absolutely loved it. So I see why, because I remember telling you privately that I would love a game that was just that. Yeah. You sort of see what I meant now? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Um, that, that, that you'll come away and be like, that's the most memorable mission in this game by far. Oh, in terms yeah. of by far. Like, story and what you actually do in that mission. Um, it's very, very, very good. It really is. 
I just wish loved par- it. you could paraglide just across the whole map when you get to the top of the building. Actually, the game doesn't even let you jump off the building. Spoiler alert. Um, just because of, you know, story stuff happens. I never even tried. Oh, I was going to, but because there was a story cutscene, um, it basically moves you to another building. Um, and you're like, oh no, I'm oh, going to have to. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. So you don't actually get a chance to, because there's an inhibitor at the top of the building, and I was like, right, what I'll do is I'll finish the story stuff and then go get it. But the, <laughs> because the game moves on, you're like, I need to now climb that whole building again to get that inhibitor. Really? <laughs> um, I think there's a side quest as well that involves you. You need to climb to the top to try and broadcast bird sounds or something. Um, All right, I was I'll like, try and do that. I wouldn't mind doing that again. Yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe think about redoing that one. I haven't done it yet, but I'm, there was a there was a quest that was like, oh, you need to climb to the top of the radio tower. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, just just do it again. No bother. <laughs> If that was me in real life, I'm just saying I would not be doing that again. In fact, I, I wouldn't oh, even, no. I wouldn't even love the first time to tell the tale. I would just be like, you know what? I'm gonna fall anyway. <laughs> Jump. <laughs> <laughs> just die. Just die. Uh, not a chance. Yeah. That that was a really solid part of that game. I absolutely loved it. Um, best mission in the entire game, I think. I agree. Because yeah, you're you're three missions away from the end, so some interesting story stuff happens there, but it's not nothing to share about. It's a, it's a bit predictable. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> kind of see where it's going, um, but I won't say anything. Yeah, wherever you see is is right. Okay. I know already what you're thinking. Okay. Something you said, um, uh, when we're talking already. But yeah, I guess that That's- is Dying Light Two. Dying Light covered a lot of stuff there. Great covered game. Co-op. 7 out of 10. Very, very solid 7 out of 10. I recommend not buying it right now. Give it a good 6 months. Wait yeah. till the summer. Wait till it's been patched. Uh, you, they finally fixed the motion blur. You can turn off the motion blur now. In the Which is amazing. Yes, that was uh, annoying. It really looked awful. Uh, pre-patch. But yeah, you can, so they are updating it. There's still issues with bugs and stuff like that, so I would recommend like waiting a good six months. But that time it will be half the price, more than half, and it'll be in a better state. Right now, it's just a bit too ropey for me to just outright recommend buying it when there's two other games that are far better quality. Well, at least one of them is. I don't know what the one about next week is. I'm sure it'll be perfectly reasonable in terms of quality. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wonder. I'm, hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Dying Light Two. I'm also be playing another game, Bill. Oh, which one? Yeah, the game of life. No, I've been playing. I was, I was going to say, like, are you playing board games without me? <laughs> no, like, like, it's just me sitting just... in my room on my own. I was going to say that if, you, if you're if you're playing board games without me, then I'm going to have to have words. There one day we should really buy on Steam Tabletop Simulator because that we has should. like a bunch of t- uh, board games they can simulate online, play together online. There's a lot of board yeah. games on there. I think we'd like. We're totally playing um, uh, Cluedo and Monopoly. 
Ugh. Cluedo was, Cluedo was a weird one. I'm not sure if I could ever play that again. I would say <laughs> we'll, we'll get the reasons of the podcast, actually. I'll, I'll unlock a lot of stuff. Anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, so, yes, I've been playing another game called Horizon Forbidden West. And Never speaking of, of trimming the fat, <laughs> another game that is guilty of starting you off in a hub area and not letting you out for multiple errors. Horizon really. for Forbidden West. Uh, it's not as bad. But um, I should preface this by saying I actually only finished Horizon Zero Dawn for the first time, literally the day Horizon Forbidden West came out. Uh, I got it upon release, played it, and then three weeks later the Nintendo Switch came out along with Breath of the Wild, and I never went back to it. Uh, I made multiple attempts to go back to it, but by the time I went back to it, the PS5 was out, and I thought, you know what? I'll just wait for the patch, the 60 frames patch. And that patch finally came. But it came at a time when it was the end of last year, so a lot of other games were out. I thought, I'll get around to it eventually. I thought, I'll get around to it two days before the next one comes out. Uh, and I blasted through the story on the first game in story mode, and that really... Like, I can't go over how well that worked for the story in the second game, because it just seamlessly, well, not seamlessly, but it transitions really well into the sequel. And if there's anyone out there who's like, I really want to play Forbidden West, but you got this sort of thing on, like, thing hanging over you about, like, oh, I need to spend all this time playing the first game, and I don't want to spend too much time playing the first game when the second one is just out. So I didn't recommend downloading it on the PS Plus collection, or you maybe own it already, or whatever, or get it on sale. Put it on story mode, difficulty, and just blast through the story, and you can get through the story in about eight hours. And that serves as like a really solid prologue to this the main game, the second game. Because I feel like I wouldn't have enjoyed the second game as much if I didn't have all that knowledge from an experience of playing it from the first game. Just that eight hours. Um, and it works really well in the second game. In the second game, I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, I found it quite hard to put down so far. Especially when it got to a certain point in the story, which also won't go into detail, but I suppose I like to start off with negatives. I like to get the bad stuff out of the way first. Because uh, I don't like to dwell on them at the end. I think it's always good to end on a positive note, don't you think? Yeah, Instead I agree. Rapping on a bit bad stuff, yeah. So, I guess my main issue is the tutorial was about five hours long. Um... Because to start off, the game starts for like an hour and a half to two hours. You're actually going through this linear area. It sort of feels sort of feels like more like Uncharted. And I was actually really into it. I thought this is really solid. This hour and a half of just traversing through this linear environment is introducing you to the story. It's introducing you introducing you to the mechanics um, and the reason why you're on this journey uh, again. And then you get to the title card about an hour and a half later, you think, right, that was a tutorial. Let's get into the main big chunky world. Then you put in another little hub area, which is some story stuff happens. Then you're out of that hub area. And then you're put into uh, the main area. Um, you go back to Meridian. Remember that big city the, mm-hmm. the, where the Sun King is? Yeah, yeah. You go there. You can walk around and catch up with people from the event in the first game. 
uh, and from there you catch up with them. Then you leave the city and you go on your journey, and it plays this really nice cutscene with the intro and the intro credits and this really nice song. You sort of see your journeying across the the environment in the first game, uh, and then it comes up the title card, and then you're heading out west to into the Forbidden West. And I thought this is a really solid intro. It was really good. But then when you get there, you're another cutscene plays out, and then you think you're in the main world, but then you you learn that you're trapped behind this gate, and you have to play through the story to get out of the this area. And it's sort of that area serves as another tutorial essentially to introduce you to even more mechanics and even more features of the game. Um it's not as there's nowhere near as bad as Dying Light 2. Like nowhere near as bad. But you can't go out into the open world for another few hours until you do this sort of story stuff and some side quests. Um they could have trimmed that back a bit, I think. Again, it's still not as bad as Dan Lee 2. I just felt like when it got to that six hours, I thought, man, I've just just started the game. Like I've only got the six hours in, I've only gotten to the point where the game begins. <laughs> and like most game end, most a lot of games end after six hours. Um so it was it was a little disheartening. Because I really wanted to just go out and see the, the landscape itself, but I couldn't because you're for story reasons you're trapped in this area. But being in that area sort of forced me to try out some stuff, so I actually made the effort to do the side quests, and they're worth doing. I think I think that first what I'll say I think that first area it is worth doing everything you see because they've changed yeah. how yeah like I wouldn't normally say that, but the reason why is because they've changed how the skills system works. So remember in the first game you've got the sort of three tiers. You've got your sort of melee type stuff, your hunt, your bow and arrow type stuff, then mm-hmm. your traps stuff. And this, I'll bring it up right now since I've got a PlayStation next to me. So I'm going to detail a bit more because there's a lot to cover in the skill section. It's very intimidating at first. Very intimidating. Uh, I was also very overwhelmed when I first saw it. And it kind of put off because uh, to be honest, I don't really know much about the first game in terms of progression because I just blasted all the way through it. Um, let's see, let's load a game save. Do do do. Time is it? Let's go here. Auto save. See where it puts me. Real life game playing here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Excellent. So here we are. So you've got your skill section, and under that you've got six different trees. You've got warrior, you've got trapper, you've got hunter, you've got survivor, you've got infiltrator, and you've got machines master. Or machine master. And under that there's thirty for warrior, there's thirty one skills, for trapper there's twenty skills, for hunter there's twenty nine skills. For Survivor, there's 29 skills. For Infiltrator, there's 27. For Machine Master, there's 26. That is a lot of skills. That is like... How many times more than the first game? Because the first game didn't have a lot. No. Um, I can't it even had remember. three very simple, very simple skill trees. Um, I think it maybe had about a third of what this game has. Mm-hmm. When you go in there, there's just so many skills. 
there's like one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, there's tons and tons of skills in each of these um, trees. So the infiltrator one's the stealth one, so I put some points into that. Um, and the start in the top of the tree, each skill costs about one skill point. But the further you go down, it starts costing two, and then it starts costing three per skill. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the side quests not only do you get XP, but from a lot of the side quests, you get two to three skill points per side quest. And the start of the game, just doing all those side quests, you could end up with like twenty skill points. Oh. Including the story missions, like 15 to 20 skill points, I think. Maybe not. Maybe more like 12 to 15 skill points. And you can unlock a lot of skills at the start of the game across multiple trees by just doing all those quests. And they're not very long side quests. They're fairly short. But once I realized, because I was originally going to ignore them, just to so I can get out, blast their story and get out to the main world and get to the meat of the game. And then go back and do them. But once I realized that you, for a lot of the side quests in this game, I'm not sure if this was the case in the, in the first game, um, because I feel like I think the only time you, because I again I just blasted through it on story mode and only played the story missions to get skill points for finishing the story missions and for leveling up, which is the same case here to get skill points for story missions and leveling up, but also side quests. Um, that may have been the case in the first game, but I feel like they're very generous with the skill points in the first game because you get a lot. You get around twelve to fifteen skill points in that first area just by doing those quests and you can unlock a lot of really interesting skills Um, because within each of the trees there's also these sort of things called valor surge surges or weapon techniques so valor surge is like the one I've got here is called stealth stalker so activating a cloaking device based on stalker technology to grease visibility to enemies so you can push like uh, L1 to bring up your weapon wheel, then push R1, and it activates your Valor. And it also works as like a sort of an ability you can activate. There's multiple across. There's like two, four, six, eight. There's ten in total. And there's two two main ones in each. Or the first five skills. So in the Warrior, in the Hunter one, for example, the one I've got there, uh, I've leveled it up fully. It starts off like two points to activate it, or sorry, three points to activate it. And to get to level two, it's four points. Then get to level three, is five points. The one I have here in the ranged one is bolster your resolve and deal more damage with ranged weapons for a limited time. When you build up your valor, you can build up your valor in combat by like using your melee or killing people, and that builds up your bar or meter. And you push L1 and R1, then that unlocks that power. Uh, and you can chop and change them out depending on what you're up to. Uh, which is really neat, but um, yeah, like the as a, as annoying, you're trapped in that first area for story reasons, but the content is worth doing, in my opinion. Like that five six hours in that area, it's worth doing because when you're out of that area, you're in a really good position in terms of character progression and skills to go through the rest of the game. So it's not often I would recommend doing everything in one part of a game or the start of a game to or an area that you're locked into but in this case I would actually recommend it um because they're not that bad honestly this, the quests they're not amazing but they're interesting they're worth doing and you get a lot of skill points from it and I actually quite like that um so now whenever a, a side quest comes up I don't go out my way to go to side quests like if one comes up along the way I usually end up doing them 
because they come up they'll say some things as side quests it's like a green exclamation mark but even when you sometimes when you got to those exclamation marks they're not always quests they just unlock different types of activities within that area so there's like different types of there's the haunted grounds the melee pit the gauntlet runs that kind of stuff the unlock when you talk to certain people so it's not always um a story side quest for example from what i've read online there's actually not a lot a ton of like story based side quests in the game well less than i thought at least anyway but um yeah, so once you get past that out of that initial area, I wasn't really feeling the story. I was like, eh, the story is okay, but I'm just loving traversing around this world and exploring it and doing different things, doing some quests along the way. But it got to a point in the story for me where it actually sort of grabbed me and I thought, ah, like this is interesting where it's going. It introduced some characters, some new characters. It went in a direction I didn't expect it to go. Um, and I've got my main mission set out now I need to go to these three points in the game to do these three things and along the way I'll just do whatever comes my way but um, so far I actually really really enjoy it because as, as I said to you privately the reason why I didn't spend like 20 30 hours in the first game is because I didn't want to burn myself out on the combat in the second game when I'm putting time into that Uh, what I will say is I'm a little burnt out and some of the stuff like I don't think I think it's because I'm not into traps but so far every combat scenario is just scan the enemy look for the points you can shoot them aim the bow for the focus on slow down time and shoot those things off and that's it and it gets a little boring but it's when you come across your big mammoth giant enemies the big ones the big bosses that's where it gets interesting because you can use a lot of your your rope caster to try and tie it down and stuff like that um and that's just a bit more challenging requires a lot more maneuvering and uh, strategy to take them down or it's just sort of your standard enemies but they're all right it's, it's okay it's, it's, it's interesting how because again i i blasted through the first game so i never picked up any loot or anything like that or upgraded anything i went through the base stuff you get from the very beginning i do quite like how to upgrade stuff you need to shoot certain parts off a machine to get that as a material. You don't even have to kill them, Phil. You could just shoot off one of the materials that I get earlier to upgrade a weapon. It was a horn from this this tusk, from this animal, this machine. So I thought, okay, they're over here. So what you can do now is if you need a certain piece of uh, machine to create or upgrade your weapon or armor, you can create a job from the workbench. And then it goes to it points uh, an area in the map and you can highlights an area of the map and you can travel to that area of the map and find what you need. So I just did that. I highlighted it, went to the area, got the horn, didn't even bother killing it, just ran away, got to a campfire, fast travel from the campfire back to the workbench and upgraded my stuff. I thought that's quite good. Um, I, find, I do find that quite interesting. But I'm not going out my way to do that all the time every time I get a new piece of armor or weapon gear or, something, or a weapon or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I'm really enjoying it. It's a absolutely beautiful game. Uh, it is amazing how it literally is just the first game in terms of feel and gameplay. Like, it's so similar that 
because I went straight, literally went straight from the first game into the second within a minute of finishing the first game. Like it's kind of jarring how it's just exactly the same. But if you're coming to this looking, if the first game didn't grab you in terms of like combat or traversal or character movement and stuff like that, the second game won't be any different. Like it is just the first game. It's kind of amazing how they managed to accomplish that. <laughs> it's really weird. Almost feels like just like a giant expansion to the first game, but with like quality of life improvements, because not a, not a lot has changed, really. Mm-hmm. It's just quality of life stuff, like that quality of life stuff. Because one of the things that bothered me in the first game, I'm not sure if you encountered this. I'm not sure if it was a common thing, Bill. Maybe you can tell me. But you can like override mounts, override machines. You can ride on them, or the Strider. Uh, I don't remember ever doing that. Remember that you can ride a strider? You can like override oh, it and ride on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can like whistle it to come, it's like you can treat it like a horse from Red Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can like whistle it to spawn in and you can ride on it. So the issue I had in the first game is that after I finished some missions, the mount would just disappear. Like I couldn't whistle for it anymore, it would just go away. And I thought, well, where's it gone? Like, where's my mount gone? It hasn't been killed or anything like that. I just left it sitting outside on its own. It just despawned, and I had to go out my way and go to an area where striders were, override another one, and then take that. Then I'd do another mission, finish that mission, and then it would go on again, so I'd have to go and get another strider. I kind of, um, yeah, I remember that happening a lot. That really annoyed me, because to get around it, it's quite a big world. To get around it, you need, you can't run around this world. You have to use a, an, a, a mount or a machine. They fixed that in this. They have fixed it. When you get a strider or a charger, you can ride multiple things in this now. I'm riding a charger at the moment. When you can ride, when you ride that charger, it's always with you, always. Um, after you finish your mission, finish the side quest, push down the D pad to whistle, and it's always there. So they fixed that, which is awesome. Um, the only thing that, that I'm on my second one now because my first one got killed during a a fight. Um, but you can level up, as I said, for your skills tree. There's a, a, a skill tree that's focused on purely overriding machines and combat on mounts. Uh, so you get your skill for increasing mount defense, you get your skill for increasing mount damage, you get your valors associated with that. So for the valor here, you've got a power by, it's called part breaker, which is powered by a special mode in your focus, deal more damage to machine components and weak spots. Which actually sounds really handy for when you want to upgrade stuff. So if you're out just scavenging for parts, you could just upgrade that and have a special mode in your Valor L1 and R1 to activate that so you can get parts easier off bigger machines. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that. Um, it's interesting, so it's a bit more in-depth with the overriding stuff, which I think is really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad they fixed that because that was one of my annoyances. When the first game was the the thing disappeared, the mount disappearing constantly. The other thing they fixed is they've cleaned up the UI, so the UI is a bit more dynamic, so it fades away. Uh, and you can swipe up on the D pad to bring it up the full version of the, the HUD up. So there's not all these icons on the screen constantly, um, especially when you're looking for stuff on the ground, like plants and materials to craft. One thing that always bugged me is just like these little triangles everywhere, with like leaves on them. And like or squares, depending on the type of loot. They were just everywhere. They couldn't make them disappear. There was no way to make them go away. But in this, they've 
done a Dying Light 2 thing, is that when you want to find loot, just click on the D on the right stick. It scans the area and then it pops up with all the little icons. And the game, the, oh, the UI overall and the, the screen overall is just a lot cleaner since they've gotten rid of the little triangles for the materials. You can just scan for them now and they've made the UI a bit more dynamic. Uh, so overall, it's just a really clean appearance. The inventory is massively improved. Because one thing that really bothered me in the first game was the inventory. Because uh, they never split out anything. It was all within like the one inventory uh, field. So like for resources, things to sell and like upgrades, um, and different types of ammunition resources and the food and stuff like that was just all within the one inventory field. It wasn't split up into categories. So now they split that up into categories for like junk to sell, upgrade components, gear components for upgrades. Get your pouch upgrade resources, ammunition resources, food resources, healing resources, dye plants, and stuff like that. So they've split all that up now. Um, and when you pick up stuff, you don't need to drop things anymore. Because one of the things I came across when I was playing the first game was I pick stuff up, but then it says, oh, you can't pick this up because your inventory is full. So I was like, oh, I need to find something to dump in my inventory. And I was like, well, I didn't know what anything was because like it was just all within a one inventory. Nothing was like segregated into what was important, what wasn't. Again, I was blasting through the first game, so it doesn't. I wasn't really aware. Um, so I would like drop some meat or whatever just to pick up these bits of wood so I can craft more arrows and stuff like that. But they've gotten rid of that now. Like as soon as you can pick up whatever you want, you can pick up stuff all the time. There's never a moment where you're over encumbered or your inventory is full. It just sends it to your stash. So I've picked up like a ton of wood. I've got like 500 wood in my stash. So I'll never run out of wood for arrows and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Ridgewood. Um, so they just send off a lot of that into the stash now, which is really, really good. So they fixed those issues. And those are the two main things that bothered me. And they fixed that. So it's just overall, there's a lot of really good quality of life stuff that just makes this a better playing game um, compared to the first game. It's just a more refined Horizon Zero Dawn. That's just a lot prettier. Like a lot, lot prettier. The environment is a lot better compared to the first game, in my opinion. I thought that I think the map in this is just is really stunning, uh, really impressive, beautiful game. They do have issues with icons, but thankfully they do have a really good filter system. So I have because when you leave all the icons on, you've just got like question marks everywhere and stuff like that bothers me. Like I absolutely hate question marks on maps. Like I want to discover it on my own. You know, I don't need to. I don't want to be told of everything because my ideal open world game, right, is. Something like Skyrim or Elder Scrolls, where the map is just completely blank. And the mm -hmm. only way that map gets filled in is when you discover it via exploration. And for me, is when as soon as you start adding question marks in a map, it just puts me off. It's like, oh, because when you get a lot of the time when you get to those question marks, it's just like, it's nothing. It's just like a person who's selling stuff or something like that. You know, there's nothing really that exciting. Um, sometimes some of the question marks are. Uh, the Relic Ruins, which are really awesome. When I was playing through the Relic they were in the first game, weren't they, those ruins? Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, So I've played a couple, I've went through a couple of them, and I thought, this is really fun. It's just like these little uh, sort of puzzle sets, really. They seem a bit more in-depth compared to the first one, from what I can see, I've read online. Um... I came away from that thinking I really want a game that's just 
I came away thinking I should really play those Tomb Raider games. Because like, it was really fun like going through these like ruins and like finding treasures and stuff like that and going through these environmental puzzles and try to figure out a way to traverse through these massive ruins. I thought I should really play through those Tomb Raider games because that is oh, they're basically... Brilliant. They're so yeah. Because I haven't played... Well, I've played the well, some of the first one, but I haven't played the uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider or Tomb Raider or Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And I thought, you know what? I might actually buy those games. Because I came away from this thinking I'm really in the mood to just do that kind of stuff, like environmental puzzles. And like try and figure out these puzzles and traverse through the environment to get progress of the game, you know. Um, yeah, just a really really cool part. You've also got these things called cauldrons as well. Were they in the first game, cauldrons? No, they don't ring a bell. If they did, I don't right. remember them. Yeah, I remember I, I, they were mentioned in the first game. The cauldrons are basically where they make the machines, where the machines are made, and they're basically like massive puzzle rooms or traversal rooms. Um, and there's like a boss at the end, and when you get through those cauldrons, you unlock knowledge regarding the machines and how to override. Because I think you can, in this game, you can override all the machines and make them your your friend, basically, and they can attack for you and stuff like that. Um, mm. So doing those uh, cauldrons, at least the, the first one I finished, it unlocked the ability to override three of the machines. And when he went out of the cauldron, the KSS, the, it said, try and override the machine. Then when I overrode the machine, it started fighting for me, which is cool. Um, so you can sort of turn the machines against each other, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. There's just one, one, one big thing I don't like. That's even worse than the, the fat at the beginning that I had issues with. And that is the constant talking from Eloy. I really uh-huh. like Eloy as a character, but her constantly telling me what to do is really annoying. Because <laughs> um, there's... I've got some examples, right? Let's see if I can find them. There's someone on Twitter I follow who really nailed my thoughts. It's uh, Jess, her name is. From Giant Bomb. Uh, so here, this is what uh, playing Horizon Forbidden West sounds like. See, climb a wall. Nowhere to go but up. Wall crumbles a bit while climbing. Wow, this place is falling apart. Almost there. Almost there. Phew, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> Gotta watch out for that acid. Destroys armor on weak points. There. Now it's exposed. I should aim for those weak points. Enemy breaks free in a 20 second long breaking free cutscene. Damn it, it broke free! Robot is wilding out. I'd better think of something to stop this thing. List all the tutorial things we've recently learned. Anything. It dies. It's dead, finally. So she's just constantly talking. It's like, there's. She never gives you a chance. Oh, I'm playing as if, I'm playing as if it's her as a person. Like, the developers, I mean. Not her as a. Well, I guess as her as a character, but she's not a real person. But, um. Well, the developers have, like, designed, designed the her in a way that. She's always commenting on everything all the time, and it never gives you an opportunity to figure things out on your own. At all. You know in some games, when you sort of run around for five minutes, the game eventually goes... The character eventually speaks and says, mm-hmm. hmm, maybe I should try this. Imagine that every second. No, see, that would be a bit annoying. 
people it's with kinda, everything that you're doing. It's kind of like um, Deacon and Days Gone just wouldn't shut up. Yes, yes, that that's it. Days Gone, but it's worse than this. There's the thing I was doing earlier is this sort of massive mountain to climb. I thought, ooh, uh, this should be fun, like traversing over this area, trying to figure out how to go and where to go. And she says, hmm, if I go to the left here and go behind this waterfall, I should be able to climb up. I was like, Pff, just, give, just let me figure it out for myself. You don't need to tell me where it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't know, I wanted to figure out the puzzle for myself. <laughs> but she's just but telling me just the answers kinda... constantly. No, it sucks about the Even fun yeah, even when you're in puzzle rooms, she's doing the same. There's just one relic rune where I had to figure out what to do. And she says, hmm, so if I pull this and grab this over and move it to here, I should be able to climb up top and get to the top. I was like, no! Let me figure that out. Don't tell me what to do. Um, Yeah, just... That is very annoying. It's, it's gotten to the point that it's just, just generally off. annoying me now. Switch yeah, off I, I wish there was an option, but there's not an option to turn it off, unfortunately. That's not that I'm coming across like, oh, this character is constantly talking. I, like I, I really do like Kayla. I think she's interesting. It's just, I just wish the, the developers toned down the hint system. I wish there was a way to toggle the whole tell me what to do on, turn that on or off, because I just don't want to be told constantly where I have to go and what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Even when you finish your mission, it's like, hmm, so I can go see this, and or I can go to this, or I can go to this. No, no, no. Just let me explore. Just let me do what I want when I want to do it. Don't tell me what to do all the time. Um, but unfortunately, the character does. The, the developers designed it that way. And I suppose for an accessibility approach for people who aren't that best at games, it's really good for that. But uh, it should have been just an accessibility option. It shouldn't have been forced upon me. Whereas taking out my enjoyment of the puzzles. Because when mm-hmm. you're just, she just tells you the answers, there's no puzzle. Really? Did you put that on like, like easy just, mode? Was, yeah, like, exactly. If that was, if that was, yeah, if that was like easy accessibility mode for like people who aren't the best at puzzles or just want to blast through it or something like that, like would have been great for that. But because um, that's what um, was it Shadow the Tomb Raider? Can't remember if Rise did it, but I know Shadow did, where you could choose the difficulty of puzzles and combat, so you chose how you oh, wanted really? it to be. Yeah. So it sounds like you could do something like that if you pick easy. Then Aloy will be like, alright, okay, so maybe if I do this a wee bit more often, if you pick hard then she just won't mention it at all. Something like that would be quite good. I really want to play those two meter games now. They're very just good. this has got me in the mood for environmental traversal puzzles and that mission down like two. So it's like two games in a row. I'm like, I just really enjoy trying to figure my way through an, an environment. I really like that. It's often underappreciated in games, mm-hmm. I think. Um, unless they make it a bit easy, like you literally just because in the first game they, I mean, they still have the yellow syndrome where everything you need to climb on is yellow. Um, but they've changed that in this, like, because in the first game stuff was either yellow or had a chalk, chalky white stuff or paint. In the first game, for areas that were climbable up a cliff, and this you actually can't see from just looking at a cliff where you can climb. You have to push an R three, and it does a death stranding thing. I think they literally just took this out of death stranding because it looks exactly the same. Uh, but you know the thing, death stranding is when you scan, you can see the sort of the what would you call it, the formation of the environment in front of you, whether things were steep or 
that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like if the area where the ground was flat, it was green. If there was a bit of a, a slope, it would be yellow. But if it was like an extreme angle to the slope, it would be red. So yeah, they do yeah. that in this, where it highlights the stuff that you can climb uh, in yellow. And you can see it as like a yellow outline, like in Death Stranding. It's very eerily similar, so I'm actually curious to go back and see if, because it's identical almost. Um, so they do that to figure out where to climb, so you just click and stick. And it shows you these yellow outlines through your focus on the climbable areas, which I thought was really cool way of doing it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can you know upgrade your weapons, you can upgrade your armor, get the parts for that. I'm sure you could do it in the first one as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's just more Horizon. And if you really like the first one, you'll love this one. If you didn't, I don't think it's going to sell you on it, to be honest with you. I think people maybe who were, didn't feel the first one will still pick it up just for the the sake of playing something on a PS5. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a looker. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, Pictures I've seen look absolutely stunning. I'm really impressed by the PS4 version. I watched the Digital Foundry video where they did the comparison between the PS4 and PS5. The difference isn't that huge as I thought mm. it would be. I came away thinking, wow, like I'm really impressed by how they've managed to extract all this power or extract all this graphical fidelity out of this awful, well, I was going to say it's not an awful console, but the, the, in terms of hardware compared to now, it's like a, a notebook processor um, or APU. It's, it's amazing what they've managed to get out of that console, the PS4. And the fact it runs at 1080p 30 on a, a base PS4 and it looks that good, I'm really impressed. It's, it's amazing what they've managed to achieve. Um, when I see that, when I saw the PS4 versions compared to the PS5, it just made me more excited for the future. Because I think this game could look even better. If in five years' time, when the sequel comes out, um, mm. I think it will just be insane. Like, it'll just be at another level. It'll be like Dark Souls, uh, Demon Souls PS3 to Demon Souls PS5 good, I think. And that's a big jump. Yeah, I think it will be. Because it's. I saw the PS4 version. I was like, the PS4 version is very respectable. Like, a lot of people out there can't get a PS5 right now. If you've only got PS4, or PS4 Pro, it's worth picking up because it looks amazing. It's really amazing, really impressive. But yes, that is my thoughts on Horizon Forbidden West. I have put fifty dollars into it so far, and I am halfway through the story. Oh, there you go. I'm really enjoying the story. It's not as good as the first one. The first one had intrigue. There was so much unknown. You're like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are these machines here? Like, why is why is everyone calling Aloy motherless? Why is that such a bad thing? Um, and the more you progress through that game, the more we find out. And it's just really a really solid story. The first game, and also at the end of the first game, they sort of leave open with that silence guy. Who? What's that actor's name? He's just perfect. Um. Oh god, I can't remember. He's the, I'm the worst most person in the world. He's, he's most... Um, god, I feel bad for not knowing his name. Lance Reddick? Is that his name? Yeah, Lance Reddick. Uh, he's just perfect. <laughs> I absolutely love him. Like, he plays the 
he was in um, Thingy as well, Quantum Break. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just got the perfect face, he's just got the perfect voice. His voice is so good. And he does a really good job. He was in like, Destiny 2 as well, I think. Yeah, he was, yes. Uh, yep. Yeah, he's in Destiny, Destiny 2, Quantum Break, Horizon Zero Dawn, is Silence. He's really, really good. It's a really interesting character, Silence. And there's more of him in the second game. Basically, the, the story of the second game is you, you didn't eliminate the threat, essentially, completely. There's still a threat looming over. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so it really does just take place right after the first game. It takes place six months after the first game. So there's sort of like a brief cutscene about what she was doing over that six months, and then, well, not really, actually. Mostly through conversation that happens with one of the characters from the first game who finds you. Um, but yeah, there's a threat still happening. And you're trying to put an end to that threat. But I won't get into details because I don't want to spoil it. But uh, yeah, Horizon Forbidden West. Really, really good. I'm I'm hoping to... I think I will get the story finished by the time Elden Ring's done. Uh, by Friday. Um, I would assume so. I would imagine so. Elden Ring's is out. Yeah, I, I definitely will. Like, I'm, I'm thankful I've got the next week free. Um... But I feel like I will be able to make some good progress on this if I try and put the time in. Good, good. It's worth playing. I think. No, I'm really looking forward to game playing it. The right choice. Uh, I'll just focus on Dying Light right now. Yeah, I want to get Dying Light done, and then that man, that will free up time for for Elden Ringos. Man, I I looked. I went on the Elden Ring Instagram today. For some reason, it came up as an ad. An Elden Ring ad came up, and I thought, I wonder what their uh, Instagram's like. Uh, oh, some of the screenshots in that game just look so good. I think <laughs> I think the first area because I played the network tests. I don't think we were doing this podcast at the time. Did I? Did I discuss Elden Ring? Were we doing this? I I think can't... I think I talked about Elden Ring, didn't I? I think so. Test. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have played about. Five, six hours of Elden Ring. And I don't think that first area does that game justice at all. At all. Just based on what I've seen from those screenshots. Because that game just looks insane. <laughs> that for, I think that first area is the most... Like, in terms of, like... Graphical... For, or things to see and things to do in the uh, environments... It's just basically a big open forest area. There's not a lot going on. I think the area after that, and some of the areas going over, going from that, uh, are just way more insane. Like some of the stuff I saw in there, I was like, "Wow!" Like I, I need to stop looking at this because this is just all. It's just insane what they're doing, and it's made me excited to explore it. I know I can't wait for Friday. It's it's crazy. I was blown away by it. Um, and some of the the enemies as well, this giant boss, this bear that you have to fight in the forest. I thought, oh my god, this looks... It just looks so much... Everything just looks so much better than that in the first initial area you start in. I think that was, the, was probably the weakest area from what I can see. Well, there's this one here, you're riding a horse. Oh, just, it just looks so good. Let's go. Oh, I'm really excited. <laughs> you're, you're sorry, they're like... Mm-hmm. I really am. Because the first area is like... 
it is really cool and nice, but it really doesn't do it justice. Like, I can't stress. Um, I mean, it's really nice, and it does look really nice, and it's a cool area, but it's just open fields. But from what I can see here, it's like some of these areas after that are just wild. wild. It's crazy. Uh, Stuff that I never even thought was I imagined would be there is there. I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, because some of the things I'm looking at here is like, where did they? Where did I didn't see anything like this in the first area, or how to get to anything like this in the first area? So, um, yeah, I, I'm fully hyped. They put an extended gameplay trailer as well, and I watched some of that. I thought, oh my god, <laughs> everything see, in this is just. I don't want to watch too much of that because I don't want to spoil it. Oh, I just quickly scrubbed through. I didn't. Well, I only watched like fifteen seconds of it, so I caught caught glimpses of things. And the quick glimpses I caught were like crazier than anything in the first area. I'm just really hyped. Mm. I'm excited to be a part of it for the first time on launch. I've never been part of a Souls game on launch. Um, or a Souls S game, Souls uh, Souls like. And this one seems right on my alley, given that it has. The best mechanic in games. Stealth. Ugh. <laughs> so if I could like focus my character on stealth, that'd be awesome. I'm actually yeah. tempted to pick to find the guide because uh I really want to I don't want to like put time into the game and spec it the wrong way. Yeah. The character. Because obviously everyone's going into this in the unknown, whereas cause when I played Demon Souls, like there was all this wealth of knowledge from the first game, because it really is just a one to one from the first game. Um so it was easier to figure things out where the best weapon was, where it was at the best armor, that kind of stuff. And that's like everyone's going in and no one knows anything. Which in itself is very exciting, but at the same time is scary because I'm not an experienced Souls player. Um, I've only played one of them. I intend to play the rest, but I can't submit myself to the actual, the your the masochism, whatever you call it, that you went through in lockdown. You played three in a row. Uh, oh, man. I can't do that. I can't put myself Sekiro through that. started to kill me. I had to stop. <laughs> so, so. so yeah, like, you played play Bloodborne, then you played Dark Souls 1, then you played Dark no, Souls 2 for five Vane. minutes. I started with Code Vein. Oh, that's right. Code Vein. That was it. Um, so I started with Code Vein, went to Bloodborne, went to Dark Souls 1, went started Dark Souls 2. And then I was like, I'm just going straight to three. Um, and then <laughs> started playing Basic Hero. And I was just like, no, no more. It's too much punishment. Um, I think I ended up jumping into like Spider the Dragon or something after it. I was like, I need, I, I need this, man. <laughs> I need something. I remember, I, remember, I remember we played Fallout 76 after that couple of weeks when you went through that phase. Oh, so good. I loved yeah. every second. I think of it. It, it got to the point where Alki had enough of it as well, and she wasn't even playing. <laughs> she, 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 was, she was begging me to stop playing. She was like, Don't you've had, have you not had enough? No, I'm still enjoying it. No, I think you've had enough. <laughs> she says, I can't wait for you to, I can't wait for him to stop playing so we can stop talking about it and can start screaming, stop screaming all the time. <laughs> oh, the Nameless King. I hate the Nameless King. <laughs> it was just to call your frustration out of Pre-Alki. Yeah, She's enduring the whole thing for the for two weeks. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good though. I loved it. Oh, lockdown! I do miss it. I miss lockdown. Um, I miss it yeah. quite a lot actually. 
<laughs> so I, I do I do intend to get through those games. Hopefully by the time I do, Bloodborne will have a 60 frames version. So I can enjoy it. Uh, but yeah. Somehow I started talking about Elden Ring for 10 minutes, even though we haven't played it. But excited, You can always talk about Elden Ring. I just love that I don't know anything going into it. Like, if no one knows yeah, anything, it's going to be interesting, it actually. It's like you said, it's like, like going in and completely blind because usually you have this wealth of knowledge and be like, oh, by the way, see if you do this, you can get a really, really good katana and that'll do you for the rest of the game. You're like, all right, okay, I'll go ahead and do that. But obviously, like, bosses and stuff are still an unknown, but you know where, you know what to look out for. This time around, no idea. So that's, that, that's the exciting bit. You're like, all oh, right, okay. But I kind of like know enough on Souls games to be like, right, okay, if I'm going to do this, then look for stuff like this, just from my experience of playing like Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. Um, I'm like, right, okay, I know roughly what I'm looking for, but at the same time, I don't know if Elden Ring might be so different that it's something a bit different, rather than what's in the Souls games. Um, plus, like, what the Wonder. best play... Well, plus also, like, you know, what is the best playstyle for it? Might not necessarily, because I've always gone um, dexterity, so speed. Um, yeah, I've, I've always based my character around speed, and like maybe it's maybe speed's not the best one to go for this time around. But I'll probably stick with it. I've got a feeling Elden Ring's going to be one of those games that will be like multiple times you'll play that game. I don't see that game ever just being played the once. We'll be like, oh man, I could really fancy, really fancy going back. You can trying it again. Like, I'm. I'm I'm quite keen to try Demon Souls again, but on a different build. Because there's so many different uh, ways that game plays. That Demon Souls game is, is solid. It's a beautiful game. It's, it's still the best looking launch title game in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it really is amazing. Still, one I think I'll look it's that, at I think quite it, often and be like, "Hmm." A really beautiful game. I really like the structure of that game as well. I like how it's just set levels and it's not like an overall. Giant environment because I quite like linear. I quite like the linear aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the other the Souls games were as as linear in nature, but it's like open linear where you unlock shortcuts and stuff like that. I, I do really like that as well. I like the the satisfaction of you know going through this one area and dying over and over and finally getting to the boss and unlocking that shortcut and you can just completely skip that area that you hated. That kind of stuff I really like in games. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Elden Ring, I don't know how the structure works in that. Because it was all blocked off, I couldn't get to certain areas in the game because they put a massive white wall, um, and I could only play it for like two hours at a time because of the network testing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I never really felt like I could grasp what it was doing, other than it took me a while to wrap my head around the fact that I don't need to beat my head against this wall in this area because I can just walk away from it and do something else. Whereas you can't do that in the other games, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go through it to progress. Whereas in this, you could easily just completely ignore... Because I came across this camp, and I kept... Because I've changed like, the, the way you respawn. Like, you don't... Uh, they sort of added more like a checkpoint-style thing. When you die in a certain area, you get a checkpoint you're just outside there. You don't go by to go back to like a campfire or anything like that, or, a, or something like that. You still lose your souls, obviously. Um, I don't even call it souls in the ring. I can't remember what they call it. But you go back and get them, but you're put out like just outside the area. You're trying to defeat... So they've kind of changed the structure of that so you don't have to like go all the way back to the last campfire and traverse all the way back over. Because that's my biggest fear was like, oh, well, if I die and I can only go back to this, the last campfire that I saved at, 
But no, they have changed that. You there's checkpoints now, just outside an area. You just go back to there, go back to there, and you can go back in and do your thing again. Because I remember, I just remember beating my head against this one area with this one enemy. I was like, I'm going to defeat him. I'm going to defeat him. I got to the point where it's coming towards the end of the network test. I thought, why am I doing this? Like, I don't need to do this. <laughs> I could just go away and do something else. And I thought, I've only got like so much time left. So I thought, I'll get my horse and just run around and explore. And it's awesome. And you come across so many little things uh, in the game from just exploration. Um, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm really curious what people are going to think of it. I can't wait. I really can't wait. I think it's going to be perfect in every way. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be one of those people who's going to heavily rely on those articles that come out on launch days. Oh, you know, the, the five, first five things you should do when you've put first yeah. play on ring. So I'm, like, I'm doing that. I've, I've been following these guys just to make sure I have a a decent experience going in because there is uh, so much unknown, at least people that have experience. Like I'm, ho- I'm hoping there's going to be like recommendations on different builds and stuff, because I wouldn't mind going down the stealth route. You know me and my stealth. Um, I wouldn't surprise so me if there's stuff on that day one, because obviously people are playing it now. Um, so things like, you know, build guides will pretty much be available straight off the bat. would not surprise me if that's the case. Maybe not necessarily yeah. walkthroughs, but, like, hey, you know, this is how you should, if you're going for a stealth character, this is how you should build your character. can totally see that being a thing. I'm curious how if you and like three other people play together and you all had three completely different styles, like how that would how, that how would they mixes. would implement. Yeah, how that like how does stealth mix with a tank and like a you know, a samurai type character, you know? Yeah, because um, they're big focused on co op this time around. I'm curious. I could never get it to work because it was a network test, so it was they're obviously testing that out. I imagine day one. I can't imagine it working well. No. I think their servers will be hammered. Um, well, pretty much everyone is buying Elden Ring. Everyone I know anyway. Even Elden Ring? Up. Even Elden Ring itself is buying Elden Ring? Elden Ring's buying Elden Ring. Probably even the guy who made Elden Ring is buying Elden Ring. Yeah, it's one of the most hyped games I've come across in a long time. I think this is the, yeah, it's the huge. most hype. That I've ever, like, maybe the last time was like GTA 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while since this it's sort of been level hype. of hype and obsession. Yeah. Well, I'm off on the Friday, so I'm going to need to make Ooh. my way down to the shop. But I think it's going to be one of those days where it'll be like, I'm going to sacrifice my long lie on my day off purely just to go buy Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you decided on your platform yet? Uh, I'm really tempted by PS5, just purely because why not? Um, that's what I've got it pre-ordered on. But it's the Xbox Elite controller that I'm like, hmm. I, well, I, I like that's the Elite the controller because I need to, I need to buy it. Okay. As things stand, I've got it pre-ordered on PS5. So are you going with PS5? Is that the final decision? Mm. See, I'm tempted to because everyone else is buying on on the PS5, so that's why I'm like eh. everyone in work. Everyone in work's buying on PS5. I might might ask around and see what the general consensus is. If everyone is buying on PS5, then I'll get on PS5. Um, I have a feeling that'll be the case. I've got a feeling that's the case. 
everyone seems to have this, you know, it's not really a a shock, but everyone's got the idea that FromSoft games should be played on Sony platforms, which should be played on the PlayStation. Um, it's still probably because of the likes of like Bloodborne and uh, whatnot. Um, so I think Demon most Soul. people, Demon Souls. Um, so I think most people are buying it on, uh, buying it on the PlayStation. I don't mind buying it on there. I'm yeah. enjoying my time on the PlayStation at the moment. Plus, I've not actually played my PlayStation in ages, so it might actually be nice to switch it on for a reason. <laughs> right. Well, I'll buy the PlayStation 5 version. Yeah, is that PlayStation settled? version is. That's settled. PS5. PS5. Good, good, good. That's excellent. I really, I'm really enjoying my time on the PS5 at the moment. It's a really... It's a solid machine. Still have yes. issues with it. We will get to that episode where we will discuss the Series X versus the PS5. I think we'll do that in the future. Uh, I would like to have that conversation. I know I brought up like last December. We still haven't gotten to it, but <laughs> we'll get there. It's been a busy start I of think. the year. Yeah, but I'm really enjoying my time at the moment. That's why it's we need to hurry up, explode, and make this a professional thing, and then we can just do it whenever we want. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, but we'll try and be a bit more consistent in the future. I think. I think uh, just that three week period there, I was just so busy. It wasn't really on my mind as much. Plus, we never really had anything to talk about. No, not so. really. But first, we'll have tons to talk about. Pretty much, pretty much from this point on. Or at least for a while, anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to talk about Elden Ring next week. Elden Ring. Because by that time... Is it Friday you're off? It's Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday you're in? Yeah, I'm in Saturday, Sunday. Annoyingly. Ah. Uh, are, you, are you off at least during the week? I am off tomorrow. Oh, well, that's not bad then. So I'm off. Too bad Monday. it's not coming out tomorrow. I know. Or even Tuesday, so I could at least stay up all night Thursday playing it. Ah, oh, wonder if I buy it digitally or not, so I can play it at midnight. <laughs> See, I've thought about it, but you get a really, really nice physical box. So, and I want that. Well, hold on, because Curry's had a really good deal. It was like thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah, it was. A- very cheap. See what it is at the moment. Because if I could get Horizon finished, let's <laughs> see if you type an Elden Ring into Google, the first thing that comes up is a countdown. <laughs> oh, it does not shock me. There's someone probably got that permanently up on their phone. Their I don't think I've ever seen that for a game before. I think it must be such a common question that Google thought, you know what, let's just put a countdown timer. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, do you see all the subreddit stuff about people getting anxiety because they're worried that they'll die before Elden Ring comes out? <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> Some guy, I can't sleep. What if I die? I don't know. I'm gonna die before Elden Ring comes up, comes out. Oh, can you imagine being so looking forward to it and then you die on like Wednesday? You're like, no. Or you get run over on your way to pick up the copy. Oh, God. Or you get run over on your way back from picking up the copy. <laughs> Be like, you know, the pile in the ambulance. You're like, no, no, not the hospital. My home. Be like, no, you need surgery. No, I don't. I need elder right? <laughs> just, uh, just just, take me to my bed. I'll, I'll recover over time. No, don't, no, you've, you've lost. You're losing your arm. No, no. 
like a double cutie. Ooh, the launch edition is very nice. That is. It's got a poster. Mm. Some pictures. That's why I'm... Because I, 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 I was toying with it as well. I was like, oh, it's probably the kind of thing I'm going to be playing quite a lot of anyway. We might just digitally download it. Um, and then that launch edition uh, was announced and I was like, no, I want that. Well, it's only uh, 40 quid on Shop 2. But I refuse to buy from her now. <laughs> After my issues. Maybe the game collection, because they delivered my thingy early. Rising Forbidden West early. Mm. So maybe I'll go for there. So I can get it on a Thursday. I highly <sighs> doubt that'll happen though. Oh, no, no. That, that'll be very much a you'll get it on Friday. Pardon me. Yeah, I hope there's not a massive patch day one. It wouldn't surprise me if there is a day one patch. I can't, also, I can't imagine it'll be 50 gigs or anything like that, so maybe it won't be no. too bad. PC, 38 quid. My too, I'm going to buy the yeah. PC version. Yeah, I'll get the launch edition. PS5, I'll order it once we're done with this. It's number one bestseller on Amazon, which is amazing, isn't it? Yep. For games, just number one overall. Oh, it's going to sell it's so wild. much. It's a good people. I'm really, I'm really excited to be a part of that. This, oh, this is an awful term, but that's true. Part of the conversation. Part of <laughs> the hype. There ain't no FOMO going on here. Exactly. Everyone is hyped. Uh, it's, it's nice uh, to actually have this sort of common game to be really, really excited about. But like everyone's looking forward to it. Well, apart from those that maybe aren't into Souls-like games, but a lot of people are really, really looking forward to it. And it's quite exciting seeing all the, you know, all the hype and all the everyone going, oh, it's soon, soon. I don't think, yeah, I generally can't think of the last time that happened. But really, I think it... Maybe it was Red Dead Two, but even then, I think I think everyone was just hyped because it was another Rockstar game. We hadn't had one in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hype—I remember the last time the hype was just so intense was GTA Five. Uh, like that was crazy. It would Since surprise then, me if we're going to get people coming into the shop asking, "Hey, midnight launch for Elden Ring?" I'd actually be like, "I will quite happily do the midnight launch for Elden Ring just so I can get my copy at midnight." <laughs> Get home and play it. <laughs> but but I just say that to to my manager. Be like, can we do a midnight? Be like, no. Be like, what if I volunteered and did the midnight? Be like, you just want your copy of the Elden Ring? Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You probably bloody put me on with someone who can't put through a staff discount either, and I'll be like, no, no, I'm, I'm buying my copy. <laughs> I'll have to figure out where to buy mine. I'd hate a situation of it not arriving on the Friday. But that hasn't happened in a long time. So maybe that won't happen this time. But uh, how are you in terms of co-op? Are you predominantly going to play it single player, do you think? Probably predominantly single player. Um, 
Yeah, it's one of, it's so one I, of those... there's something I quite like about Demon Souls is that I can safely say, You've going by yourself. my trophies. Yeah, like I went through that game without having anyone coming to help me. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I would like that's to say the same for Elden Ring. See, I've yet to do a boss fight where I've had to call someone in, and I'm quite proud of that. Um, so I'm going to try and keep that sort of going for a bit. Um, what we could do is if we do want to play it, we could just sort of run around and do general stuff. Yeah, get exactly. some souls, grind yeah. some souls out together. Yeah, that that seems like a, a pretty fun co-op task and be like, we'll do a bit of exploration, but like bosses and stuff will just be single player. Unless it's like, yeah, I can't beat this. <laughs> Come give me a hand. There's like there's like sub-bosses that you find in like caves and stuff like that. I don't know if they're not really treated as major bosses, like you know, your massive knights or whatever, or your giant bears. Mm-hmm. There's just sort of these sort of sub-bosses that you find within the tunnel. So I suppose that they're fine in co-op, but in terms of like massive like story, story progression bosses, bosses yeah. yeah, I would like to do that on my own. Figure it out on my own. But in terms of like grinding out for to get better uh, higher level or something like that, grinding through an area, it'd be fun to do in co-op. Yeah, no, 100% agree. I don't think like we've ever really played anything co-op on PS5. Mm, not on the PS5 yet, no. No, it's just been Series X. Oh well. Anyway, that was, that was a half an hour chat of Elden Ring. I, don't. I actually think there's probably enough there for you to cut out as well. Just edit some of that out. <laughs> <I'll keep> <laughs> just for laziness. Yeah. Although I might chop and change the Dying Light 2 uh, conversation a bit because I started going a bit traversal before anything else. I might Swap that around. <laughs> um, or just keep it. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, we get to the point eventually. Indeed. But, uh, yeah, I think we should call it there. I think that is... Yeah, I think that's... I suppose, uh, well, there, there's one... I suppose there's one more thing we could go, quickly go over, actually. As the Bungie thing. Sony. Oh, Sony acquiring Bungie. That has happened. That, uh, what, you, what do you think about that? To be honest, I was just quite enjoying the amount of people that were saying, you know, oh, Halo 3 coming to PlayStation. <laughs> like, yeah, is, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> like, Microsoft still owns the Halo name. Like, that's that's not going anywhere. Um, There's so many people that were like, oh, I can't wait to play, like, the Halo Master Chief Collection on PlayStation. It's going to be brilliant. And you're like, oh, right, okay, maybe still waiting a while. Um, I mean, I think maybe they could be a... F- Sony really wants Starfield on PlayStation that bad. Uh, true. Microsoft could say who? If you put Xbox uh, Cloud on here, Xbox Game Pass uh, Cloud Streaming on PlayStation alongside Starfield. That would be amazing, actually. That would be, be so good. But I, don't I feel know like that would be the don't. only concession. That would be the only concession. Platform. I don't even know if they'd even let you download them. It would just be streaming only. No, because there'd have to. That would be a whole mess of like arranging agreements just for the PS4 version to appear on Game Pass. Yeah. Or PS5 versions of stuff. Whereas cloud streaming, like that's. Maybe the agreements are like separate where agreements cover like any device that can stream video instead of like naming specific devices. Mm-hmm. So there's probably. They probably got it in their clauses that mobile devices and other. Like hardware platforms can stream via xCloud and stream your game. Um, 
Yeah, I think that would be the case. I don't think the things would appear natively. Especially Xbox exclusively because they'd have to redo the whole game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bungie, Bungie's interesting. I think Bungie... This is my theory on Bungie. Well, this is what I want... Actually, this is what kind of goes into um, what I want to say about Horizon Forbidden West. And I played a little bit of Uncharted 4 as well, but I came away from the PS5 version of Uncharted 4 about the upgrade. But I came away, especially Uncharted 4, when I played that little bit of that. And I do intend to finish Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy again. But I came away thinking there's really nothing quite like a Sony exclusive. Anywhere. It's also, true. it's on PC now. Like God of War and Horizon. But there's really, when you when I play Uncharted, like, there's really just nothing like this on Xbox. It's kind of amazing how they just have reached this point where they sort of reached their Marvel Cinematic Universe point where every film they seem to put out, every game they seem to put out is like a always universally praised, is always a really high quality um, game. Um, and they're just on this really good streak at the moment of like putting out these solid games, these solid exclusives. And But there's one thing that they're missing, and they're, they don't have a Minecraft. They don't have a Sea of Thieves. All they have uh, is this big budget. Yeah, they don't. Ha- all they have is these single player, <clears throat> two hundred million dollar plus budget triple league games that they put out every few years. Makes a ton of money. When they get money after it, it's just a sort of, uh, income stream after that, but not as consistently high or as consistent as they would like it to be. And they need other revenue streams to fund those type of games. And I think this is their this this is their move. They want a Minecraft and Destiny 2 for them is that they need a live service game. And they opened they they openly admitted that saying there's gonna be like ten of them by the time by twenty twenty six. Which is insane. And a lot of people are really upset because they feel like Sony's moving away from these big budget single player Experiences like your Last of Us Twos, your Horizons. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I mean, my theory is is that they're buying these, they're buying Bungie, and I guarantee they're going to buy another company that also has like a live service game. And they're doing it to have a, a, a recurring revenue each month to help fund the likes of things like Horizon or Last of Us Part Two. And they're not going anywhere. They're the bread and butter of PlayStation at this point. But they were they're just a bit too late on getting into the live service game. It's kind of biting him in the bum there. So I thought, right, we need to make some moves. And they're basically doing the opposite of what Microsoft was doing. Microsoft have their live service games. They've got their Minecraft. They bought nearly a decade ago. They've got their CFEs, which is doing really well across PC and console. But they don't have big, massive, single player exclusives. So what did they do? They bought Bethesda, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's my theory behind that. I think the reason you're seeing that is it's not because they're changing their way. They're they don't they don't want to make every single game. They're not going to have a Horizon, you know, Infinite or something like that. You know, it's, it's going to be you're still going to have those single player experiences, but there'll be live service games to come alongside that to help fund those games and just have a recurring revenue. So I'm interested in who they're going to buy next, because they said yeah. this is the last time they're going to buy something this year. Mm, any theories? No, my theory didn't go that far. I'll stop thinking about it after that. 
But um, I don't think there's anything quite on the level of Activision, though. <laughs> like, See, I, I wasn't all that shocked by it, but I don't know if that's just because all my shock was from the Activision. You're like, whoa! Yeah, I, I think, yeah, when I came away from Bungie, it was like, I saw that, I thought, oh, right, of course. Like, they need a live service game. Sony doesn't have anything like that. They don't have a live service game across multiple platforms for recurring revenue. Microsoft does. They've got the biggest one. They've got Minecraft. Yeah. Um, I mean, the live service games exist on those platforms, but they only get 30% of that money. They don't have 100% of all the revenue from those revenue streams. Um, so yeah, I agree. It didn't come as a shock to me. It made sense. It made sense like how Microsoft buying up Bethesda makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just they're filling out a hole, a void in their business. Um, and it just happens that Sony's hole is a live service hole and they need to fulfill it or fill it up. Yeah. They've already got, they've already nailed the exclusives. They've got the, they're oh, on right. fire. Like they're on top of the game. They're like, they're never, they're never, Xbox is never going to topple them over. But where Xbox is toppling them over is your cultural live service games like Sea of Thieves that just blew up on Twitch and on PC and stuff like that. Where you don't really see that coming from PlayStation at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know where to go because I, f- I feel like Microsoft has basically just done a Minecraft 2.0 with Activision. Where it's like, well, there's, this, there's Warzone, so they basically just bought Warzone and Call of Duty. Along with a host of other IP, but I feel like that was the main reason was because of that massive revenue stream from those games. Whereas, like, making a billion a month or something like that, ridiculous. So that'll pay itself for the next five to ten years. Yeah. I suppose with Sony only getting, like, what, two exclusives out a year, roughly? It does make sense as well. Rather than having just two big, massive piles of money coming in, make it constant. Yeah, exactly. We need that recurring revenue stream to help yeah, fund because that's it's, it's not sustainable at all, really. Like, no, it's an insane amount of money, and that two hundred million is just the budget for the game. That's not including the marketing, which is another two hundred million. Talk about a lot of the time, um, or more. The marketing expenses is crazy. So, so you're talking about half a billion a lot of the times for the, <laughs> pardon me, all of these big Sorry. games. Maybe not that much, maybe 300 million for 350 million, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but uh, it, just, it just makes sense and people need to stop freaking out over something so ridiculous. Your single player games aren't going anywhere, don't worry. <laughs> I know. I saw, there was, I saw a lot of people freaking out over it. It was just kind of like, really? Like, calm down okay. just a wee bit, please. <laughs> well, there is this trend that's happening with Sony that I'm not too keen on. Is uh is tying game releases to other media releases? Oh, um, the rumor is there's a Twisted Metal TV show coming out, so they're going to release a game alongside that Twisted Metal show. The Last of Us show is coming out next year. The rumor is they're going to release oh, the, the Last of Us remake alongside that show. They released the Uncharted collection alongside the Uncharted film. It just feels a bit cash grabby. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I see the, for the sake see of the majority of games, they sold so well on the back of that film. 
They're good games. Can, There's probably a lot of people oh, who have never even played them. Uh, probably. Because I'll go watch the film. Watch, you know, really enjoyed the film. Then, you know what? I'll actually sit and play the games. Well, I've still got my PS4 copy. So I just put that, threw down the £10 and I fully intend on playing it again because absolutely, it's a really solid version of that game. It's stunning. It's made me more excited to go back and play that again. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised it's doing well. It's like, I have a feeling. The whole the director's cut thing they're doing as well, like everything's a director's cut, which doesn't make sense <laughs> for a game. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of cutting room floor type stuff you can just throw into a game. Like a, a director's cut in a film is very different from a director's cut of a game. Like There's not like a perfect, perfect finished thing they just took out of the game for the sake of keeping the time down. Like things that didn't make it into the game happen either because they didn't work or they couldn't do it in time. So it's a bit weird calling things a director's cut when a lot of things that have been cut weren't finished or the vision changed. So the term, that term is really weird. So they're doing, like the had that for Dead Stranding and, well, Death Stranding makes sense because of Hideo Kojima, because of course he would call that director's cut because he sees himself as a, a, a visionary. He's the director of the game, you know? But for something like um, Ghost of Tsushima, I thought it was a bit weird calling it a director's cut. Like It's, like, it's almost like their brand name for re-releases at this point. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a director's cut for other games two. in the future. <laughs> Last of Us Part 2. That is, that is the other rumor. Uh, the other rumor is, is there's a, the Last of Us Part 2 director's cut. Alongside oh, gonna, the remake of the first game. The remake was going to get called Last of Us Part 1. Yes. And apparently there's so the, just yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's last part one. There's three rumors. Was the the director's cut of the first game? Sorry, director's cut of Last of Us Part Two. The other rumor is the remake of the first game, and calling it Last of Us Part One. And then the other rumor is the multiplayer. Yeah, that long away. I don't know if they're all separate or together. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, so a See, weird trend. They're doing weird stuff. So like the last was part two, director's cut, which will probably end up happening. Um, that will have the multiplayer. Yeah, I think you're right. Or it might just be a whole separate good. thing. Or just a separate thing. No. I mean, a live ser- one of their live well. service, one of their ten live service games. That maybe. Yeah, it could be actually. I'd be up for that. I like the last was multiplayer. Yeah, the multiplayer last was excellent. We really get into that. Yeah. So I actually make Maybe it a wish. live service game. Probably end up going back to it quite yeah. a lot. That was the multiplayer that made me wish. Well, I've always wanted Party Chat on a PS3, but it really, that game would really needed Party Chat. Uh, mm-hmm. We ended up using Skype. <laughs> Just so we could <laughs> chat together while playing the game. Oh, oh man, I miss that multiplayer. It's great is that I played it I played a chunk of it when I finished uh the first last of us in twenty twenty before the second one came out. I played a good chunk of the multiplayer. Still got a bunch of people on there. I think they've shut down the first game, the original game's multiplayer, you can't play that. Yeah, anymore. they have. But they still have the PS4 version up. Great. I wonder how many people I wonder if many people still play it. Curious. Well, every time I loaded it up I had a full match. But I don't know if that's because 
Last of Us One was uh, Last of Us Part Two was coming out, so a lot of people were uh, kind of hyped. So maybe it's died down now. I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll send it there, Bill. Okay. We will be back next time. Hopefully next week. I'd say next week. Because um, I have a feeling we'll want to talk about Elden Ring. I Elden the next Ring week's was... podcast is just going to be about Elden Ring. Yeah, pretty much will be, won't it? Yeah. I'll give my final thoughts on Forbidden West because I'll have it finished by then. But a good error for the podcast will be Elden Ring. Unless Sony buy, uh, Microsoft buys EA or something like that. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Who knows what will happen? Or a war starts. That's probably at this War point, Quite likely. Yeah. Yeah. So some weird times. It's weird <laughs> since we last recorded a podcast. This <laughs> went from relatively nothing really happening, other than Microsoft buying Activision. Then suddenly, the next podcast, there's maybe World War Three happening. Who knows? Exciting times ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, could you imagine if World War Three started the day Elden Ring came out? Well, if I get my my notice through to be like, hey, by the way, we need you. I'll be like, oh, yep, I'm finishing Elden Ring first. <laughs> Court martialed. Legally. Yep. Leave like, now. We need you here. But no, Everyone I've just... not finished Elden Ring yet. Or that'll be your... Everyone's like, what's your reason to survive? Like, I've not finished Elden Ring yet, and I have to finish it. <laughs> not even for your family? No. No. All I want is Elden Ring. Elden Ring. I have to finish Elden Ring. I haven't seen the final Family can wait. Yet. There's just some guy that spoils it for you. He's put a bullet in his head and they end up getting court-martialed. And like, why did you get court-martialed? So he told me what the final boss of Elden Ring was. <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> well, we were down to World War 3 is going to be great. Be. Yep. Put it in your biography. Yeah, hopefully... Hopefully things... I, I don't know. Given how long ever... I think the sort of mainstream medias and stuff like that it tends to hype things up a bit too much. Yeah. So maybe it's not that bad. <clears throat> Look, I don't, I don't see it re- happening. No. But again, you, you, you need to know. report on something. Yeah. Putin's mad, but he's not daft. He's a very smart man. Putin and his thirst traps that he puts out there. Yep. His topless pictures ready on a horse. Oh. oh. What a stud. Ladies love it. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a weird note to end on. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut oh, end on Putin's chest. <laughs> anyway. That was, I think it was episode 12. I think the last time it was episode 12. One. I'll check just Let's just go with 12. Oh, I just saw a pair of Elden Ring leggings. Nice. That had a QR code on them. Ooh. Yeah, Bio absolutely. Leggings get a discount on the game. Yes, yeah, a scannable QR code Elden Ring leggings. I wonder if you get the item in the game. These leggings. <laughs> looks... I'll send you a picture of one. Messenger. It looks very weird. I'm not sure why anyone would buy these. Makes me want to scan the QR code and see what it actually is, though. 
Oh, that's Eternity them? Ring? What is it? <laughs> I'm curious what the QR code is. Weird, isn't it? Um, yeah. I'm buying them. Gonna wear them to the shop. When I go buy <laughs> my copy of Elden Ring. Day. Yep. <laughs> yes. Absolutely yes, gorgeous. We'll be back next week with Elden Ring. We'll be celebrating Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. The always... podcast name will be Elden Ring. Put the title. Not sure what we're going to call this one. Um, I'll have to think of a name. You think of any names? Putin's fine chest. Oh, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> I don't know, I was going to say how quickly will we <laughs> go? It'll be like we'll have the Russian mafia chapping at our door, like, hey, but uh oh. Um, People won't even surface us. No. Um, we keep keep we're as bad as a terrible movie. We keep saying we're about to end every end. So we're ending it. This is the end. This is the end. the end. Bill. Episode twelve. Thank you for listening. We're sorry for taking so long. Some of you, have, have, quite a lot of people, have listened in that time. We're well over two hundred listeners now, which is awesome. Well, which is not bad for a handful of episodes. Yeah. Um. So really quite impressive. Hopefully, people listen to this when it goes up. Put up uh, later tonight. Uh, once we're off here, so everyone can listen. So yes, Bo, who are we? Hungry and sleepy. We're <laughs> <laughs> thinking for us, <laughs> and we're hungry, sleepy, and bursting for a pee. <laughs> Night round ring. Okay, bye bye. Yes. Bye bye. Tatty bye. 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 The end.